Welcome to To Grow Good, a place to spread joy, beauty, and goodness, to bear good fruit, a place where others can meet or be inspired to meet God. So get cozy, lean in, and listen close. Miracles are at work, and he wants to meet you too. Hi, friends. I hope you're having a great week and a good Tuesday so far. Um, I'm really excited and stoked to be able to bring you a conversation with one of the world's uh, most well-known converts to Catholicism, um, Lizzie of Lizzie's Answers. Um, She has a YouTube channel and she has actually documented her entire conversion honestly, it's sometimes unknowingly, uh, through the videos that she was creating for, um, her followers and the the community she's been able to cultivate online. Um, and her vulnerability online has really led so many others, um, to come to know God and to come to know truth and beauty and goodness. And, Lizzie is very refreshing to talk to. She is so intellectual and um, her story and her journey is one of struggle, but also just um, incredible resilience and courage. So I'm so excited to share my conversation with Lizzie. Enjoy. Lizzie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. Can you start by just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you and what you do now? Yeah. So my name is Lizzie Rize. I am 25 years old. I do YouTube full time. So I'm a YouTuber, social media influencer. I really, really love making videos. And I talk about Catholicism, bipolar disorder, veganism, and I give a lot of relationship advice and do Q&As. So I've been doing YouTube for 10 years since I was in high school. So it's been the most consistent part of my life. (laughs) That is amazing. And that is so cool. I think it's so cool to see how people can have jobs in YouTube now. It's it's awesome. (laughs) But I'm sure getting to work from home and work for yourself and be creative. So I'm constantly so grateful to God that you get to do ministry for work. Yeah. And you reach so many people, which is just amazing. So, I mean, and that's what we're going to get into, just your story and how literally by being vulnerable online, you've you've brought so many people just to Christ and Mm -hmm. relationship with the Lord, which is just incredible. It's like amazing to see what the Holy Spirit has done with with you. (laughs) But um, yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. So can you just, I guess, start in the beginning? Like when was kind of your first personal encounter with a God, you know, where you kind of realize that, wow, there actually, there might be a God out there. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm someone who I grew up in the faith my entire life. My parents were actually missionaries in Russia. So we lived there for five years and church, youth group, reading the Bible, prayer, my family Bible studies. It was the most important, central, foundational part of my life. 
So I never remember not knowing Jesus or not believing in God. It was my entire life, my family's entire life. And even once we moved back to the States, we still constantly were attending church. My parents were leading ministries. I started teaching Bible class when I was like eight years old. So I've always been super involved in ministry and in my church. And I remember from when I was nine, I would keep, I called it my God journal. And I would write out prayer requests and confessions and like adoration type prayer. And I read through the entire Bible when I was in middle school. So it's just been super central. And I never really had like a conversion moment. It was just my entire life growing stronger and stronger and stronger. So I feel so grateful that I've known Jesus my entire life. It's something I never take for granted. And even today, I'm constantly like thanking my parents on the phone. Like, thank you for raising me Christian. Thank you for knowing God. It's like the best gift that my parents have ever given me. That's amazing. Yeah. And did you like have a moment where you heard a response or like you saw a prayer answered or like, can you remember anything just even from when you were younger where you were like, wow, okay, this works. You know, I'm going to keep, I'm going to start journaling, you know, <laughs> I, <Yeah. developed. laughs> I think with growing spiritually, like we were just talking and you said that you have so many questions and it's almost like the Holy spirit is praying for you and praying with you and answering them. So it would be like that my whole life where if I read a Bible verse and didn't understand it, I would ask God to explain it to me. And then like the next day, someone would say something about it or I'd read a book and it would mention it. So I would say that in that aspect, I always felt like prayers were being answered and God was alive in me. But when it comes to petitionary prayer, I did not believe in it growing up because a lot of my relatives died of cancer and we would be praying at dinner every single night for them to heal and get better. And then they would die. And so at that point, I stopped believing in the power of petitionary prayer. And I did not think that God was in control of the world or that God answered prayer requests. So that was kind of my like modus operandi until I was in college when things kind of changed. But yeah, so it was really interesting because I had a really close relationship with God but I also didn't believe in prayer basically. So from yeah, a really young so age, like, yeah, from like middle school, I stopped believing in the power of prayer. <laughs> wow. I love that though, in some ways, because I feel like other people, it's almost only intercessory prayer or like almost only mm. requests. And you don't, you don't have this relationship with mm. God. It's like kind of this yeah. distant, like, can I have this? And, you know, sometimes you do and sometimes you don't, but you don't really have that personal like relationship, Mm -hmm. which I feel like both, yeah, are so beautiful. So, um, but yes. So then I guess, yeah, you mentioned like in college, things started to change. What, what, what changed? What happened? So I started going to Thailand every summer on missions trips, and I was actually going to move to Thailand, and then I got fired because I started making Catholic-type videos. So it was like my entire life in college. I was the most passionate about it. And I remember the first summer that we went, there were so many people coming to Christ, And it was the absolute best ministry setup I've ever seen in my entire life. The way the church was, they were just so, they did so many events together. It was like playing games and eating meals together and writing music and doing English classes. It was just like, I was there teaching the Bible with English. And the first summer I was there, 
we had a lot of spiritual warfare going on. And at this point, I did not believe in spiritual warfare at all because the church I grew up in didn't really believe in the Holy Spirit or, I mean, we did, but we never talked about what it did. So we didn't really believe in the Holy Spirit. Mm. So that summer we had so much spiritual warfare happening in like a single weekend. Like everyone on my missions team got really, really sick. Someone had like a demon in them. There was a lot of mental illness stuff going on. And I don't say lightly demon. Thailand is one of the most spiritual countries where there's so much like demonic activity going on. Mm. And in the U.S., we don't see that because Satan is so much more powerful in Western countries by saying there's no spirits that exist at all. There's nothing. But in a lot of Asian countries and like in Africa, places, parts of South America, there's more demonic activity and like spiritual stuff happening. And a lot of it is negative. So anyways, we, it was almost like God was preparing me for this to happen. Like there were so many people sending me Philippians four of don't worry about anything, but in everything, pray through prayer and petition. So basically to summarize it, there was just a lot of spiritual warfare and God was preparing me for it. And we were praying for all these people to come to Christ. And I just saw my prayers answered so vividly, so strongly. And so it was the first time where I really encountered the Holy Spirit and encountered that petitionary prayer. And from then on, I started just praying for people all the time. And I started seeing a lot of my friends come to know Christ. So many prayers like directly answered. And yeah, so Thailand completely changed my life. It taught me how to do ministry. And it was my first I don't, not my first encounter with the Holy Spirit, but the first time I was aware of the Holy Spirit and really believed in that part of God. So in Thailand, did you go with your, uh, your past church on these mission trips? Yeah. So it's an organization called Let's Start Talking that I respect immensely. Mm-hmm. And, and basically you teach English with the Bible. And so we used the gospel of Luke and we would do English classes for free. And so it would bring in so many people who just wanted to learn English to like make, um, grow more in their career and everything. Cause obviously that helps you get more work. So we would just read the Bible with these people and it was amazing. There were so many people converting into Christianity and yeah, it was through the church. I grew up in churches of Christ and it was like a team from my college. There were five of us that went there together and I kept returning every year. That's amazing. That's, that's beautiful. That's such a good idea. I love that. But so then what made you, I guess, start making these videos that were more <laughs> Catholic, quote unquote? <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like what you were saying, where looking back, God would almost almost laughing at you because he was working like gradually in your heart, converting you into the faith. And that's how it was for me too. It was, there was like a moment where I believed that the Catholic church might be true. There was a moment where I began believing in real presence. It was a really fast conversion. It was like within a few months, I knew I would be Catholic researching in 2017. But then it was a gradual conversion because going back to like my senior year of high school or my freshman year of college, I started questioning a lot of things. Like I gave up saved by faith alone. I gave up Sola Scriptura because of a lot of my religion classes in college and learning Greek. The biggest contribution to my conversion is a lot of my friends in my college were converting into Catholicism from Church of Christ. It was in our philosophy department. I was a philosophy major. 
And so starting my freshman year, I began to see a lot of acquaintances and classmates becoming Catholic. And I didn't really think anything of it. But eventually, I had a last straw moment where another one of my friends converted, and I started just binge researching. But then looking back, there were things all throughout college through like my Catholic professors where my mind had begun giving up really core Protestant things. So like when people hear it, like three years before I became Catholic, I gave up Sola Scripture. I was like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't exist. And you think like, how are you still Protestant? And at the time, I just 0% thought Catholicism could be true. So it wasn't even an option for me to think of Catholicism or to think that I would become Catholic. So it was a really, really fast conversion. But the reason it was like within months I knew I would convert was because it was also really, really gradual because I knew so many Catholics in my college and had Catholic professors and everything. So that makes so much sense. So he was kind of like surrounding you with Catholics. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's like, and then you like start to kind of be like, hmm, you know, these people aren't crazy. You know, like, wow. Yeah. They're like, they're intelligent, they yeah, have strong yeah. faith, they're ethical people, they're fun. Yeah. I mean, I grew up Catholic and I had the I had the same sort of thing because it's almost like you look at it as, oh, you know, that's what old people do or something. And you're just like, mm-hmm. you know, and then you go through I or at least I went through a phase where, you know, I kind of when I was like in my adolescence, I kind of just like naturally like went away from it because I I think subconsciously Mm -hmm. I thought like oh that's for old people you know (laughs) and then (laughs) and then I remember the first time yeah like hearing you know a young like you know charismatic normal person that also believed in God and had this relationship and I was just like oh like wow you don't have to be old to do that yeah (laughs) so I do think that's yeah that's beautiful like kind of how he was placing these kind of seeds way before you were Mm -hmm. you know there Mm -hmm. in your heart or your mind it was happening Mm -hmm. um but what were some of your earliest like videos that you can remember um that kind of like where I mean could you was there a point where you could tell because you said you got fired from the job yeah so was there a point where you could tell that this was happening before, you know, could others kind of see it happening before you could even see it happening? Is that what happened? Yeah. A lot of my YouTube subscribers, probably like four or five months before I knew, before I believed in real presence or like started attending mass and divine liturgy, I made a video called what I love and hate about Catholicism. And I was just, I had a series going on, like what I love and hate about Orthodox, what I love and hate about Pentecostal, what I love and hate about Church of Christ. Like I just had a series on my channel. And it so happened that I said positive things in the video of things that I admire about Catholicism. And the reason that I admired things is because so many of my friends were Catholic or had become Catholic. So in the video, I even said things like, I wish everyone was Catholic because if the church was united, it would be better for evangelism. And I didn't even mean that, like, I wanted to be Catholic, but I just said, like, the idea (laughs) of unity is a positive thing. And I would say things like, Catholics in the U.S. believe in evolution. So many Protestants don't. That's horrible for evangelism because people think Christianity isn't intellectual. So it was just different things I said in the video where I'm like, these are positive things about Catholicism that I really, really respect. 
And so people would comment, like, you're a future Catholic, welcome home in advance, praying for you to be Catholic, like way before I started researching even. So they saw way before that there were all these seeds that had been planted that I didn't even realize until months later. That's amazing. What was that experience like? Were you kind of at first just like, what are they talking about? Like, get out out of here. Yeah. I was like, this is hilarious. Like, I would even show my parents the comments. I'd be like, future Catholic. Like, this is hilarious. Why do they think this? Like, I'm not even researching or thinking about this at all. So it's so weird that like people who are converts can see a convert miles away because they went through the same experience. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Oh, that's so beautiful too. And it's so true. It's like the more I learn too and and come to understand like in my heart, the more I'm able to see like where someone else is at in a certain area Mm -hmm. or whatever. And not even in a like I'm better or worse or anything because there's so many areas like you know I don't know anything about but it's just it is true like how that how that is sometimes like you're kind of hear something and you're like oh you know like I can kind of see where they're at in trying you know and in that journey you know (laughs) which it's kind Mm -hmm. of funny so it makes sense Mm -hmm. that you can kind of be like oh you're you're gonna be a Catholic (laughs) I also think too kind of yeah and now I'm like that with oh sorry you can go oh no go ahead Okay. I was going to say now with some of my friends, I can see like when my friends are going to become Catholic. So like one of my college friends was confirmed a few months ago and like a year before she even started thinking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to be Catholic soon. And I didn't even tell her, but then like way later I was like, by the way, in June, I was already like thinking and praying about this. And she was like, what? How do you know? And it's because I saw it in myself that Yeah. That is so amazing. So, I mean, I guess the biggest question I have right now for you is just like, how did that impact your relationship with God? Like during this whole time? Because it sounds like this is a lot of kind of, you dove into learning intellectually about Catholicism, but Mm -hmm. what did your prayer life look change? You know, like was your kind of relationship with God changing well during this? Or were you asking him, you know, for clarity, I guess, along the way? Or how did you deal with that? Mm. I would say that my like emotional relationship with God has kind of been stagnant a lot. And it's just because I have a mental illness and I was diagnosed in college. I have bipolar disorder, type one. And I went through a really long depression episode when I was like 21, 2022. And in, it was like severe depression. It wasn't situational. It wasn't emotional. It was just my brain was shrinking and breaking down. I couldn't think of words to say. I couldn't process things I was reading. I didn't feel any emotions. It was just really, really physically, mentally debilitated. Like I couldn't get out of bed. I was losing weight. I wasn't eating all of these things. And so during that time, I felt no emotion towards God or from God. It felt like he had abandoned me. It's like Jesus on the cross when he's like quoting the Psalm, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And like his most suffering moment. So that's what it felt like. And I think after that, it was really, really hard to trust God again. And there were some things in becoming Catholic where I prayed for things and I saw them happen. But I would say that it's still, I'm at a point still where it's so scary for me to get close to God because I just know 
the next time I'm in a depression episode, which is inevitable, it's going to feel like God abandoned me again. And so I think that what I like about Catholicism is I don't have to be emotional anymore. It's very intellectual. I can prove that it's true. I can petitionary pray for so many people in my life. I can grow so much closer intellectually. And so I feel like if I didn't become Catholic or Orthodox, I would have just completely stopped going to church and abandoned my faith and become atheist Mm -hmm. because it's a way for me to like grow closer to God and be so close to him, but not have to have like that emotional aspect, which a lot of people would see as like, oh, you're far from God. Oh, you don't have a prayer life. But like, I do have a prayer life. And I think that you can only love someone as much as you know them. And I think in researching and reading and like searching the scriptures and reading so much church history and reading about the saints, I'm loving God so deeply, even if it isn't very emotional. And I think part of it too is my bipolar med super numb my emotions. And so who I was spiritually like in college, unless I go off my meds, isn't who I'm going to be spiritually now. So, I mean, maybe I do feel a lot of emotions, but like compared to mania, it's less emotions. I don't know. So I think I'm still in a spot where I'm kind of stagnant and it's like scary growing closer. Like I don't want to get emotional again towards mm. God. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh man, that I'm so sorry. That's really difficult. I can't imagine having to go through that, but, um, but that makes so much sense what you're saying, like intellectually, because that is such a big th- part of Catholicism that So many, I mean, I can't even tell you, people don't even realize. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that for a convert or for people that are doubting, that's why a lot of them come to the, you know, the truth, come to realize the Mm -hmm. truth in the Catholic faith because, Mm -hmm. right, if they can't emotionally, you know, connect with God on another level, then, you know, it it does, it comes down to facts and intellect. And that's what's Mm -hmm. so beautiful about, the Catholic faith, I think in learning so much more about it is that you can get there just by reasoning and just by studying and just by mm-hmm. you know following this intellectual track, it's still going to lead mm-hmm. you to him, which is what's so beautiful that, um, and what I love about it too, is that you don't, you know, you don't have to give up that emotional side either. You know, like mm-hmm. you can, you know, you, you should, and you be encouraged to connect with God and have this relationship daily living relationship, um, even within this beautiful kind of fortress of like intellectual knowledge as well. So um, oh, I love that answer though. Thank you for opening up about that. That's amazing. Um, and so I guess just how has God played a role in your life um, and Catholicism? How has it played a role in your life since you've kind of had this conversion back to the Catholic faith, you know, have, what have been some of like your biggest challenges and maybe some of your greatest joys? I think I've really learned to die to self and to be sacrificial just because I gave up like a lot of my relationship with my parents when I converted. Cause we always connected so much over theology. And when I converted, they like didn't talk. Well, my dad didn't talk to me for several months at all, like zero communication because he was so hurt by it. And like, even today, I hold back so much of my life because I mean, my life is completely Catholic. Like my YouTube channel is Catholic. Speaking events are Catholic. 
going to mass all the time. My leisure time is reading theology. So it's like, it's surrounded (laughs) and embedded into my entire life, but I can't share it with them because it hurts them. Mm. So I feel like God has really just like burned me in the past four or five years because of my mental illness, because of converting in. So like a lot of people, I feel like obviously there's joy in my conversion and joy in my faith, but it was heartbreaking at the same time. Like even I cry almost every mass because there's like different, there's so much beauty and depth and spiritual treasure in it. But like sometimes when we're receiving the Eucharist, I cry because I think of my parents and how I'm out of communion with them. Like physically they can't receive communion at my church and I can't receive communion at their church. Like it's against canon law. So it's like a physical display of how we're out of communion on an emotional and spiritual level too. So I think that's been really hard and yeah. And I think that's a big thing in Catholicism, like suffering and suffering well and offering up sufferings to God. And so I think that like, the past like year or two with my mental illness has gotten a lot better. Like I don't cry every day anymore, which is like a really like big thing for me. (laughs) But I think that like moving forward as I like heal more and more and more, I'm going to get like the emotional part of my faith back. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I don't think like, I love what you said that like it is a part of the faith. It's not just intellectual. It's like head and heart. And even when you read the church fathers, it's like alive. Like their faith is so alive. Like Aquinas cried every time he received the Eucharist. <laughs> like these super intelligent people have their heart as part of it too. And it's embedded. So I love that so much. But I feel like for me, growing close to God in this phase of my life, it's just not very emotional. And like, I'm content with that. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, some of the saints who like mother Teresa experienced the dark night of the soul. She was like in a type of depression throughout almost her entire ministry. And like, that was okay. And so that's how I feel towards myself. And I don't think I have the dark night of the soul. I think that there's a difference (laughs) between like mental illness and that. Yeah. But both are like a desert period in your faith. And so I feel like for me, I'm doing all this work. Like I work 70 hours a week. I'm constantly doing my YouTube ministry and like replying to messages and like praying for people and all these things. So I'm able to do my ministry without like having this comfort from God. And I think I used to think as a Protestant that I was owed this emotional comfort from God. But last year I read St. Teresa of Avila's Interior Castle and she talked about how It's like a temptation from Satan to demand to feel that comfort and that emotion all the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I really, in this phase of my faith, relate to a lot of the saints who didn't feel God, but were still like working for God and doing ministry regardless of how they felt. Do you believe in the power of conversion stories? Has this show moved you in some way? Join the Branches of the Vine community of supporters. You will be making this show happen and you'll be helping it grow and expand into new avenues to reach even more souls. Visit togrowgood.com slash support to join for as little as $3 a month. This link is also a live link in today's episode description. If you just scroll down, you'll be able to click right there to join us. As a gift back to you, you will gain access to an underground bonus podcast 
That's right. A collection of monthly episodes on a series of different topics that stir my heart. In addition to behind the scenes updates on where he's leading this ministry and more. You are the light of the world. Thank you so much for supporting me in this mission and stepping out on the water to wherever he calls me next. Let's see where this goes. Today's episode is brought to you by Catholic Match. Are you feeling called to marriage but struggling to meet others who are striving for sainthood? Well, my friends, there is a solution for you. Welcome to Catholic Match, the largest faith-focused dating app designed for single Catholics. Unlike other dating sites, Catholic Match primarily strives to help singles connect for the purpose of sacramental marriage through direct message, video chat, and more. And not only that, it also provides a place to make new friends in the faith because, let's be honest, these days it's harder than ever to cultivate intimate Catholic community. Create your Catholic love story. Visit catholicmatch.com slash good to create your free Catholic Match account and start meeting fellow-minded Catholics today. So I know it's kind of a negative answer because so many people, like even so many people in like the Catholic speaking circuit and like Catholic YouTubers are very like charismatic and emotional and passionate. And I'm like, I'm not, like, I don't feel emotionally passionate about my faith and like, there's nothing I can do about it. That's just where I'm at right now. And I really relate to a lot of the saints who were also at that point for years of their ministry. No, that's amazing. And I feel like there could be a reason for that. You know, like, I think, you know, there's clearly plenty of people that are emotional about it, which is good and Mm -hmm. has a place. And there's, and, but maybe, you know, we need people that are not, you know, (laughs) who are suffering that are, yeah. And the other thing is, if anybody looks at you, you know, the, the faith is definitely alive in you. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. that's the thing is, yeah. And, and, and I, yeah, I, it's funny. I think you do have an emotional connection, even if you don't identify it as that, you know, when you're mm-hmm. right, when you're coming close to him through scripture or through saint stories or through early church fathers writings or theology, you know, you, that's still a, a living relationship mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so I don't think it's either or, or I think it's both and, you know, they're intertwined yeah. for sure. They're super intertwined. Yeah. I agree with that for sure. Totally. Oh, that's amazing. So I guess, can I ask you just a little bit more about like, so when you, you know, started learning more about Catholicism, um, can you just walk us through like, what was that like from then on, like kind of like, what was your process? Were you reading things like in secret? Like, were you like putting things in your headphones, like (laughs) like, secretly listening to Catholic stuff? And then like, kind of like in your life, you were still, you know, living out, um, you know, Protestantism. And then like, Mm -hmm. how did that go? You know, like, how did you talk to the people in your life? You know, like, how did you even reconcile that? Because I think, in part of no matter where you are and what you're going through, whether you grew up Catholic and this is just like coming alive for you right now, or whether you are an atheist and are starting to consider a God, you know, when those things are changing in your heart and in your mind, it's like all of your life that you had previously is still there. And so I guess Mm -hmm. it would just really help me and I'm sure others to hear like how you went about that in your life. 
So it was a very like secretive process. And I recently made an Instagram post about this. And I was like, I super regret how I went about things because I hid it from my parents for almost a year and I didn't talk to them about it. And then when I announced it to them, they felt so emotionally wounded because I was struggling with this and researching and reading and like obsessively changing my mind and like going through this emotional roller coaster with it. And I didn't open up to them about it because I was so, so scared how they would react. And I think that I should have been more open. And that's just my personality where when I'm dealing with something emotionally, I don't invite anyone in. I just deal with it by myself and God and then talk about it later. So it's just like a weakness in my personality and like, or I don't know if it's a total weakness. Like I think it's positive that like I feel strong emotions and trust God. (laughs) But in this situation, it was horrible because I was attending Latin mass and Orthodox divine liturgy every week for like seven months. Oh my God. And this is before I even joined RCIA. And I was reading a lot and I was manic at the time. So I would barely sleep and I would just be like hours. I was uploading videos three times a week. Every night before I slept, I would read for like three or four hours, different like primary sources and lectures and podcasts, kind of like what you were saying that you did as well when you were like growing closer into Catholicism. So I was spending so much time like binge reading and also the Bible. And this is something I really highlight a lot when I talk about my conversion. I was manic. And so I was like reading throughout like the entire New Testament, so much of the Old Testament. And I was seeing Catholic verses and it was like my eyes were opened and willing to see it for the first time. And so I found all these Bible verses on my own that are like Catholic apologetics verses, like Second Thessalonians 2.15, it says Paul is telling them to go by the tradition, whether written or said out loud. And so it's talking about oral tradition in the Bible. And so there's another verse in Judges that says everyone was far from God because they went based upon their own thought. And that made me realize like, you can't rely on your own intuitions. So those are just like two simple examples of when I would be reading through my Bible, like obsessively the entire New Testament, I just saw all these Catholic things in it because I was 1% open to it being true. Mm. So it was like my own like manic obsessive research process. And I kept it from my parents completely. I told some of my friends early on about it. And I think that really helped. But some of my friends, like I didn't tell them at all. So I almost shared the process with my YouTube audience more than my friends. <laughs> Cause I'm like, it's interesting my relationship with my YouTube channel. Cause like a lot of people have been there for six, eight years, 10 years. So I feel very close to my audience. And so I would be like sharing research with them without saying straight up that I was becoming Catholic. So yeah, it was, it's really interesting. A lot of it I kept to myself. I would like write poems about it. Obviously, I was praying about it all the time. I was angry at God as well. It was scary. So it wasn't like, like it was awful becoming Catholic. It was awful. It was a horrible process. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. And it was like beautiful and joy and like thousands of depths of spiritual treasure and like finding the true faith and like reading the church fathers and all these things. But it was also really hard. And I regret that. I wish I talked to my parents about it. And I think that if I'd shown them 
more of what I was reading, I think they would be Catholic today. And so that's something that if anyone's listening who is converting in, I invite you to share it with everyone in your life so that they see the gradual process and they understand it. Yeah, I love that. But also definitely don't beat yourself up because I think that I think that's so true that sometimes it can be easier to talk about it with people that you don't know. And then when it comes to people mm-hmm. close, closest in your life, it's kind of, it's almost harder because you just have so much emotional, like you just want so badly for them to understand it. But you know, like everybody's mm-hmm. on their own path. And I think you just have to trust that, right. God's planting those seeds, you know, and they'll, they'll notice it and pick up on things, you know, in their own time. And, it, you know, cause everyone's different and, mm. um, yeah, that's amazing though. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so I guess you literally run the entire gamut of like, you've read probably everything that's ever been written about Catholicism, but if you had to name a few like standout influences that kind of helped you on your journey, um, what are some that come to mind? And it could be anything from books to podcasts or a speaker or even a specific sacrament that really helped you. Some of the books that I really recommend to anyone who's new to Catholicism, and I recently made a whole video sharing different books to read, but the top book that I actually gift this to my Protestant friends because it's not like explicitly Catholic and it won't convert you into Catholicism, but it introduces you to all the church fathers and all the early martyrdoms and saints and all of that. So it's called Church History by Eusebius. Church History by Eusebius. And it was written by, I think, a fourth or fifth century Christian historian on like the first 400 years of Christianity. So literally everything it covers. So if you want to get to know the church fathers and the early saints and like who everyone is, that's a really good book. Another book that helped me choose the Catholic church over the Orthodox church and believe in the church magisterium is called Upon This Rock by Stephen Ray. Upon This Rock by Stephen Ray. So you can tell by the title that it's like about the popes and the Roman bishop. And it's a really great book because it just has like basic quotes. Every single quote imaginable talking about the role of the Roman bishop for the first like 500 years he has in the book. And half of the book is like an exegesis of all the Bible verses about the Pope. And like the biggest thing that really changed things for me is, so in Matthew 16, it talks about like the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And in the Old Testament, there was like a second in command position to the king who was a steward who literally carried keys on his shoulder, like physical keys to the city. And so that's what the role of Peter is to Jesus. He's the steward to Jesus. And then like, if the steward dies, you replace with a new steward. So that concept is talked about in the book, which really, really helps. And I actually watched a like hour and a half lecture by Stephen Ray on that concept before I bought his book. So that really helped me as well. And then there's a YouTube video by Father Mike Schmitz called The Hour That Will Change Your Life about the Eucharist, which I watched early on, which really, really helped. And then there's another book called Christianity and Politics by C.C. Pecknold, which talks about like the history of Christianity as well. And I actually read that book in college, which started influencing me like way back then. And actually with that book, so my Catholic professor assigned it to us and we got to like chapter five and it starts talking about how the Christians believed in a physical Eucharist. And I'm like, what? And I like look at the back of the book and I like Google C.C. Pecknold and I'm like, he's a Catholic? 
We've been reading a Catholic in this class. I'm being psychologically manipulated by this professor. So I was really mad about C.C. Pagnold for a while, but then I was able to meet him and thank him for helping me become Catholic. So, oh my God, yeah, that's amazing. those are just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then another resource that I recommend a lot there is a website called New Advent and on New Advent, they have a Catholic encyclopedia. And so it's like Wikipedia, except it's legit on any Catholic topic ever. And then they have a ton of footnotes in the articles where you can go to the original sources. And on New Advent, they have all of the Summa by Aquinas. They have like Tertullian, Jerome, Irenaeus, like Clement, just like a lot of the early Christians, they have all the primary documents of all the letters and books that they wrote online. And also, oh my gosh, they have so many homilies. So I literally Google like Matthew 6, homily, Chrysostom, like Matthew 4, Augustine homily. And they have all the homilies interpreting the entire Bible on New Advent. So New Advent is something that I use all the time as well, like when I'm making my videos and everything. So, and then a final book, that really helps me write my video scripts is called The Fathers Know Best by Jimmy Aiken, The Fathers Know Best. And it has quotes on like every single apologetics topic on like contraception, infant baptism, purgatory. And it has like block quotes of all the early church fathers talking about these topics. So like I'll use that for my videos because it'll show like, wow, these five people talked about why they're against contraception. And then I can like Google on new advent and see like the surrounding text for that topic. So I know that was a lot, but no, that's amazing. That, yeah. Super, super helped me when I was researching into the church. Oh, I love that so much. Thank you so much for sharing all those. I love those little tips too. Like that's so helpful. Um, and I, you talking just made me want to ask this one question too. How, if you were talking to somebody just like, and they asked you, why should I become Catholic? What would be your response? I would say it's true. I became Catholic because it's true. It's the true religion. It's the truest form of Christianity. It's the church that Jesus started. And it's funny because the church I grew up in, Churches of Christ, they claimed to be the early church and go by the Bible. And it was like the biggest thing ever, like being like the early church, because that's closest to the Bible. And once I started actually reading into the early church, I saw that the early church believed in a physical Eucharist in the first century in St. Ignatius of Antioch. They believed in all of the Mary theology in Justin Martyr, Tertullian, Irenaeus, and they believed in the Roman bishop being the Pope, particularly they had monarchical bishops and like Protestant scholars attest to these things too. So it is the early church. It's the original Christians and how they interpreted the Bible. And what I always explain too, is that there are 30,000 Protestant churches interpreting the Bible. There's no one way to go by the Bible. And so the best way to go by the Bible is to read what the original Christians who were taught by the authors of the Bible, how they interpreted the Bible. So, but it's hard for people to get over Sola Scriptura. It's like, it feels insurmountable with a lot of people in my life, but that's how to explain it. Some people's hearts are ready to hear it. Some people are still like stuck in their way of thinking, but 
It's yeah. true. That's right. why I'm Catholic. <laughs> right. And I mean, the, the early church is what put together the Bible. So Exactly. Right? So I mean, yeah, so that that helps too. But I do think, yeah, I know you don't even know, uh, growing up Catholic, you know, how many intellectual hoops I already like went through just because to me, yeah, just growing up Catholic, it, it makes it makes logical sense to me. Just like, I mean, God, mm-hmm. God wants to tangibly touch us through the sacraments, you know, like, he, he wants to come into us, you know, like, and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, he like came into the world. So it makes sense that like mm-hmm. him leaving, he's going to find a way to like, you know, help us uh, tangibly, physically, yeah, as, yeah, yeah. as well as, you know, <laughs> spiritually. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just, it always like made sense to me, but I do think coming from a different background, it's hard to, it, I can, I can totally see how it sounds insane. But then on the other side, it's like, it makes so much sense. Like, why would he not, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so where can we go to find more about you? If someone wants to, uh, find you online and find your videos. So my YouTube channel is called Lizzie's Answers, but my priest jokes that you can just YouTube search Lizzie Catholic and all my videos will come up. <laughs> so Lizzie Catholic, it's hilarious. He like announces after mass sometimes, like when I was confirmed, he's like, everyone should go check out Lizzie's YouTube channel, <laughs> Lizzie Catholic. So yeah, he's so freaking sweet. My priest oh. letter RCIA and everything. That's so adorable. that's where to find me on YouTube. And then my social media is just Lizzie Rize, L-I-Z-Z-I-E-R-E-E-Z-A-Y. So that's my name for my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat. So now the new thing is TikTok. I don't have that yet. I feel like I'm not young enough to have that. Oh my gosh. You definitely need to make a Catholic TikTok. That would be amazing. (laughs) You need to do that. And like, I don't even know, do like saint series or something. That would be so cool. Um, so the last question yeah. I, I'm hoping to ask everyone who comes on is, can you just share with us one scripture verse that is either speaking to you recently or that played a foundational role in your journey um, in the faith so far? I would just say that John 6 is why I converted into Catholicism because it talks about the Eucharist and Jesus says, those who feed on me have eternal life. Eat my flesh, eat my flesh, eat my flesh, eat my flesh. He says four times. And the Greek word he uses is trogon, which is only used six times in the entire Bible. And it's an animal crunching and munching and audibly eating grass plants, raw vegetables, and nuts. So once I learned the etymology of John 6, it made me believe in the Eucharist. And like the moment I believed in the Eucharist, I was like reading church fathers talking about it. And then I read John 6 and then I like sobbed and I texted my Catholic friends and I'm like, I'm going to become Catholic. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I love scripture so much because there's just, it grows, it grows with you. So it's like the more that you come to know you know, intellectually, spiritually in your heart, you read it again and you see something different that you never saw before. It's like, it's crazy. Exactly. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like your eyes are open and you like can't go back from not seeing it. It's exactly. That, that, and that was going to be one of my other questions is like, could you ever go back? Uh, just like, I'm interested to hear your thought as a convert, you know, because yeah. Like to me, it's like, it's, it's not even, that's not even a, really a question because it's kind of like mm-hmm. once you've experienced it, 
you just like know that it's true. I don't know how else to like say it, mm-hmm. but it, is that kind of your experience mm-hmm. too? Well, I always tell people that I would become atheist before I would become Protestant again, just because, which sounds so non-ecumenical, right? But it's because the church fathers proved the Bible. Like they didn't have the Bible compiled for 400 years. So you need early church, early Christians saying like the gospels are anonymous. So you, and there's fake gospels, fake Gnostic gospels floating around as well. So you need early Christians to be like, this is the original gospel, which proves the resurrection. So if you get rid of Catholicism, you get rid of all that evidence for the Bible and then you can't prove the resurrection. And so then you can't prove Christianity. Right. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so hard too. Cause it's like, once you know, it's true. Like once you've heard truth, I mean, there's just so much richness to it too. It's kind of like, okay, so either like all of these people are just like insane, like these saints or like they're actually experiencing, you know, a real God and having these, Mm -hmm. you know, amazing conversions and, um, and things like that. So I feel like that alone shows you, but but yeah, thank you so much, Lindsay, for coming on and sharing your story. It was amazing and so inspiring just to hear what your journey was like and how it's different for each of us, like no matter where we've been and what we've done. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. I feel like this was very therapeutic. Like a lot of these things I haven't talked about for years. You got me to open up so much, like so many of these things I never talk about. Oh, so good. You're an I'm amazing so interviewer. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> One of my first. So thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Lizzie. Thanks for having me on. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for growing some good with us today. Visit us at togrowgood.com slash podcast to find links to everything we mentioned in our conversation. Find us on Instagram at togrowgood. See you next week.